0: Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you
1: hi i 'm kelsey i 'm Kyla, and today we're talking about something that i don't want to say we love because that feels like the wrong word, but something that is very near and dear to our hearts oh. we're talking about burnout.
0: <laughs> yeah, yikes big time yeah big time topic for the two of us in the past, I would say, especially in the past year. And I think that like even globally, there's been a big uptick in the experience of burnout because of COVID and we'll talk about that. But if you're not really sure what burnout is or if you've ever felt it or any of that, we're going to go through that today.
1: Yeah. And this is our second attempt at recording episode 19 we initially tried to record <laughs> I just think this is funny we tried to record an episode on like self-acceptance and self-compassion and oh my god <laughs> it uh, apparently that is something that we are really struggling with <laughs> so we were just so confused the whole time and it kind of feels like burnout can be the result of a lack of self-compassion yep. and self-acceptance. So that's kind of how we uh, got to this episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like self-compassion, we kind of like bit off more than we could chew. And burnout mm-hmm. feels like a piece of it that we're going to, you know, talk about and yeah. try to understand. Because even when I listened back to when we recorded our episode about self-compassion, it felt <laughs> it felt like you were listening to a conversation <laughs> that like you shouldn't have access to. Like, it was very... <laughs> It was like sad and vulnerable and like not in a, not really oh in a God. helpful way, just kind it of in like so a funny. you wanted to hug us way, I feel like.
1: So, <laughs> yeah, we're on that. We're really good at being burnt out. We're working on the like, <laughs>
0: compassion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it's not to say that we won't do an episode on that. We think it's really important. I think we just want to understand it and maybe practice some tools in advance of talking about it
1: yeah I feel like I've had like six identity crises since recording that episode it like sent me spiraling in a good way no well we're working on it we're learning we're We're growing
0: (laughs) so yeah Today we're going to talk about burnout, which I feel like if you went online or even just in the past year, I feel like you've probably seen this topic come up, even if it's just in little visual depictions, whatever it is. There's a few different definitions for it, but essentially burnout is an emotional exhaustion and a fatigue that comes from caring too much for too long. And it can also be a depersonalization. So like your empathy starts to deplete. So maybe you're a super caring and compassionate person and you start to feel a little numb. A decreased sense of accomplishment where you're feeling like you have lots to do and maybe you're even doing a big chunk of it or all of it, but it doesn't feel good and you don't feel like you can celebrate when you are able to tick things off your list. So those are a few pieces of it. And then we'll also talk about sort of the difference between work-specific burnout, which I think a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have experienced this past year because of the sort of melding of home life and work life, and then just how that affects like our human experience of burnout in our relationships and in our life outside of work as well. Yeah, already feeling very
1: much called out, I guess, in those symptoms, behaviors. I'm also wondering, and maybe this is something we can fact check if it isn't something that came up, like it sounds like depression
0: in a lot of ways. I wonder what the distinction is. I watched a video on this last night about how to distinguish between the two. And so I'll make sure to include that if I hopefully I can find it. But if I can remember correctly, and I will fact check this, it had a lot to do with, I think, like how much it permeates your day-to-day and just like symptoms themselves and how they show up. So I'll make sure to include more information in the fact check, but I think there is a lot of information out there on like how to tell the difference because I think ideally – I mean ideally you don't get burnout, of course, but like (sighs) ideally burnout is more acute than depression is obviously because depression we know is typically – a long-standing experience, sometimes lifelong. And mm. so I think that burnout when they are talking about it is usually more acute in the sense that maybe it's a few months or a few weeks or whatever it is. Okay.
1: Yeah. I don't know if this will come up and I can just touch on it now, but we were talking about this yesterday a bit, like the benefit of labeling things and I can only speak to my own experience when it comes to this, having been diagnosed with many, many, many things. It, it is helpful in that it points you to tools that you can use. I don't know that it's always helpful to like st- stress too much about like, what's the word that I'm putting to this experience that I'm having? For me, it's more like, okay, if I'm feeling this way, like here are some tools that I can use to maybe address it or, or make it more manageable. But yeah, just thought that was a, a point that might be useful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, it, I think it can be really tricky to differentiate burnout and depression. And that's why I think people are trying to sort of think of distinguishing factors. And I think that a couple symptoms that are more depression-related, not burnout, are like low self-esteem, feelings of hopelessness, things like that, where burnout is – maybe more like exhaustion, lack of energy, things like that. So we're obviously not medical or mental health (laughs) professionals, but you should always speak to someone if you're feeling those ways and want to understand. Yeah. Get help, y'all. We love help. (laughs) We do. So I think we can talk about – I think to start off, we can talk about work burnout because I feel like it feels a little bit more simple and so when I was looking into work burnout and what causes it, these were the big factors. So right. unreasonable time pressure, lack of communication or support from a manager, lack of role clarity, an unmanageable workload, and unfair treatment were some of the main ones that people talked about that caused them to burn out professionally. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm going to draw from my past work experiences, Mm -hmm. one in particular that I've talked about before on the podcast quite a bit that really, really, really sent me into some pretty deep burnout and depression. But all of those things were present. It was a startup environment where I was one person basically doing the job of like five. I was underpaid, undersupported, micromanaged, gaslit. Like it was just the gamut. Preach. But... Yeah, it's it's hard when you're in that situation to cuz it doesn't really happen all at once. It's kind no. of like a slow build and like a slow kind of like drip of your energy, I feel like, until one day you kind of like hit this point where you're like, whoa, like when did I when did I get here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All of those things, like such good check-ins because sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, I feel weird and off. That's me. I feel weird. Yeah, But like very specific things you can point to where it's like, okay, this could be contributing to
0: that. Yeah. I also feel like we live in the age of lack of role clarity where people are like, (laughs) you can work on this and work on this and learn new things. And, you know, you will get learning opportunities from this like we live in the age of like unpaid additional work where it's like yeah. supposed to help us grow or something and i think it's so easy to join a company or join a role and then start to do work where you're like this isn't really my what i thought my job was yeah and so i i think it's also really tricky because sometimes you're in a position where You've been sort of convinced that it's for the it's for the best. Like you're <sighs> going to do better if you take on these things that maybe you didn't sign up for. And I just think that that's a like a unique situation where I think that even in my experience in work, when I worked at the bank, my job was very clear. Like my – because it was a huge company, it's like your list of what your role includes is so cut and dry. And anything you choose to do above and beyond that is sort of up to you. But it was never expected really. You were just sort of, you know, given the option. And I think it changes based on the type of company or size of company. Like a startup I think is a particularly – you're in a vulnerable position to start taking on stuff that you didn't sign up for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So many things are coming to mind as you're saying that. Like exactly what you're saying about the corporate world and structure, like bo is in a company where it is fairly clearly laid out like at this point you will get a razor promotion like it's all very standardized Mm -hmm. and i think that a lot of the way that we'll definitely have to fact check this but like a lot of the way that our capitalist society is set up is kind of based on that model Mm -hmm. whereas and i can only speak to my specific industry but in the tech industry because a lot of it's so new and the way we work is so different to that kind of like typical corporate Mm -hmm. structure there is almost no role clarity yeah. especially like so I don't know if I've actually ever talked about this before but I'm a, a UX slash systems designer and the the like UX in general it's been like a career for maybe like 20 years mm-hmm. and it's growing so quickly and changing so much that like not only do I not know <laughs> what my role maybe should entail but like there's no real general consensus right. on it at all. So yeah, I think like there's so many statistics about like burnout in the tech industry. So I don't know, we can link to some of that, but that as one thing. And then like millennials kind of as another part of that, I, I've heard us referred to as the burnout generation. Hmm. I think that has to do a lot with like The way that we tie our work to our worth. Mm -hmm. There's so much pressure to prove ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't know exactly where that comes from. Probably just being told that like (laughs) our worth is based on our output Mm -hmm. and our lives. But yeah, it's it makes sense that we feel this way. (laughs) But like, oof.
0: (laughs) Yeah, not to mention we're accepting less than we deserve because it's in wow. the pursuit of something better, which to me is always reminiscent like when we talk about burnout at work and and even what you're describing at a startup it reminds me of like an unhealthy relationship with a partner where mm-hmm. you're like I really think things are going to turn around and like I really think <laughs> that if I stick this out like things are going to get better and it's a genuine lack of boundaries and i don't think that's on you if you're employed by a company or or you work for someone and these boundaries are being crossed when your livelihood is at stake is very hard to mm-hmm. say like i'm not going to do that or that doesn't work <sighs> for me because again like you you're in a, there's a power imbalance there that makes it much more difficult. I also think it's easy to talk about work burnout. And I, I know so many people who have come to me and been like, (laughs) I've had coworkers and friends who in a very loving way at times in my life have been like, I think that maybe you're burning out a bit. And what I think is interesting about that is I always kind of felt defensive in the sense of like, and what do you expect me to do about that? Because Like, what should I do differently? It's like, you're almost, it feels a little helpless sometimes.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, so much of what you're, God, (laughs) this is going to (laughs) be just like us ranting podcast. But when you're saying about like, how do I set these boundaries when my livelihood and in Canada, we're lucky that we have healthcare regardless of working at a company, but in a lot of other places, well, at least in the US, I don't know about everywhere, but you're Health care is tied to your employment. So, like, that yeah. just further tips the scale into this like power
0: imbalance of like, you don't really have a choice. And yeah. that's fucked up. Even in Canada, like, your benefits would go away. Like, oh, yes, yeah. you have basic health care, but anything like mental health resources, vision, yeah. dental, like, out the window. What? Like, okay, yeah.
1: you have healthcare, but your brain, your teeth, yeah. and your
0: eyes, not included. Don't even get me started about vision care. Like, as if I have to pay so much money just to see. It's so ridiculous. It's
1: so strange. But yeah, then there's like, when it comes to like the power imbalances too, there's all this intersectionality around like women and and yeah. race. And like who are in these positions of power versus like who are the people trying to set the boundaries like it goes on and on and on and of course we're tired (laughs) you
0: know yeah that's the thing is once you've reached a point of burnout and you're feeling emotionally exhausted to then get up like the clarity and gumption to set these clear boundaries with an employer like what that's so difficult And it does show why it's important for people to have resources outside of work and things like that. But I do think it is really tricky. And I just feel like it's definitely not something that's as simple as being like, if you're feeling burnt out, here's how you fix it. It's like, I've, I've been there and it's really hard. And I think that we need to be thinking of ways where we can support each other and like setting boundaries and learning from each other in these situations because it doesn't always shake out in a great way and so I think yeah. it's also important to understand that it's easier said than done to be like yeah boundaries are important it's like yeah and sometimes you <laughs> set them and you there's retaliatory action you know what I mean so yeah yeah and some people are in way more vulnerable positions than other people. So there's just a lot at play, which I think is important. So definitely don't want to diminish that. But I just think those are really important pieces because I think even if you're like hearing that list and saying like, I actually don't really know if this is part of my job role, like find out if you have like a scorecard, like a list of tasks and see if it's on there. Because – That's important, and if it's not, add it because you either need to be compensated accordingly for the list of like the exhaustive list of what you're doing, or you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, I'm actually making a note to self to do that. (laughs) 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 Oh, one
1: second. (laughs) On that as well, figure out and like have a clearly documented, written way that your performance is being judged upon I don't know if that's the right word but like get your receipts mm-hmm. oh my god I have been in positions before where it's been like trust and and like yeah they'll say that you like oh you'll get a promotion and
0: and unless you have it in writing it might as well have just yeah been a dream no offense but like your boss isn't your friend your boss is your no. boss so like yes. be friendly for sure but then like also understand that there's a level of self-protection that needs to happen. I think especially as a woman in a in a company where there's a lot of like nuance in the way that we go about things, the way we agree to things. I can think of so many times where I've agreed to something and then walked out and been like, "What? Why did I just say yes to that?" Because people-pleasing, I don't know, just yeah, yeah, f- yeah. fear of like being someone who isn't helpful enough, I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's really important. Like, if you're being offered something, take some time, go home, yes. ask someone if you if they think that's a good plan. Go back, maybe challenge them on it. Like, just I think make decisions slowly and thoughtfully. And just it sounds sort of cynical, but don't just trust that everyone's mm-hmm. looking out for you because they ain't. Yeah.
1: yeah, I feel like we could do a whole episode on like self. <laughs> South- <laughs> advocacy in the workplace. I could go on and on, but I'll, I'll let us continue. Yeah. Such good points though. Get in and writing. You never have to say yes right away. Yeah. Communicate. If you want me to do X thing, I won't
0: be doing Y thing. Is that okay? Yeah. And talk to your friends about how much money they make. Like let's stop making yeah. money so weird because that's – that shouldn't be a thing. We need to know what people in similar occupations at similar education levels, whatever it is, are making yeah. so that we can make educated decisions about how much we're worth in a company. So yeah. I'll stop, but like let's, Oof, you know. Fired up. <laughs> individuals need to protect one another against corporations, okay? Yes. <laughs> It always comes down to capitalism. Okay, moving right (laughs) along. So that's more about burnout in the workplace. And so I think that even some of these things we've just been talking about are good tools to help you better understand how to navigate that, getting clarity, working on communication, even communicating that you feel like you're not being supported or maybe communicating that there's too much on your plate. I know that that's easier said than done, of course. But if there's an HR department or if there's someone that you feel comfortable with, I think that those are helpful ways to try to combat it. And I also know that work-life balance in the time of COVID is just despicable because your life is on this computer and it's hard to turn it off. And like the sound of a Slack message coming in like sends shivers down my spine. So... I know I know that it's really tricky to try to separate those two things, but we will even put up a little poll on Instagram about ways to sort of create a more clear boundary and maybe we can help each other out on how we sign off for the day or however you work mm. and mm-hmm. and have your other life. And of course, like, People who are working still in person, maybe they're feeling differently about it. But if you're working remotely, I know it's been really hard to draw those clear boundaries. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It even is like bleeding into hobbies. Like, even with the podcast, I'm having a hard time and the burnout. Like, I'm currently burnt out, to be very clear. Mm-hmm. The burnout is bleeding over because I'm sitting right now in the same spot that I'm right. sitting when I'm working. <laughs> you know, totally. It's, uh, the brain,
0: she doesn't understand the, uh, nuance of. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that very much. Even the fact that some of my work is done on my phone, it just makes my phone a place that like is not safe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Which honestly though, like it, it's a very good indicator of
1: like, okay, maybe I need some time, some clear time where I can't even see my devices, you know? Absolutely.
0: Kyla's a big advocate of that. I'll never forget one time we were like going to record and she's like, She's like, I'm putting my phone away where I can't even see it because apparently, even seeing it is like you kind of messes with your brain. And yeah. I'll do that all the time now, even when I'm like spending quality time with my partner or even like watching a movie. I understand that I'm still watching a screen, but like at least I'm not using two. That feels like a win <laughs> staring at my little screen while not really paying attention to the big screen. So even things like that, I'll just like go plug it in in another room. I've turned all my notifications off. And I think it's just like, sometimes you need to kind of do like church and state, you know, you got to like really set and just like get it away from you kind of. So I know that Obviously, if you're doing something on your computer and work lives there too, it could be maybe like sitting in a different space or maybe even like sitting on the couch when you're doing something more casually versus like at a desk when you're doing something more formal. I actually think that our brain is kind of simple in those ways where Mm -hmm. it can kind of understand those cues in a way. Yeah.
1: I think so too. We'll link that study about being able to see your phone and the effect it has on happiness. I think the study was like people were in a restaurant and some of them had their phones on the table and some of them didn't. And then they like reported on how much they enjoyed the meal. Interesting. I found that so interesting. And yeah, ever since then, I'll just like hide my phone for myself.
0: Protect your attention, y'all. Yeah. I think when we're allowed to like see human beings again, I'm going to be big into like people putting their phones in like a bucket or something because. I'm just going to be like constantly hugging Like, my friend, I'm never going to let go. (laughs) So that's more work burnout. So we also want to talk about burnout that just sort of permeates all corners because Mm. I think that is how we have felt a little bit lately and how I would say like a lot of the world is feeling in the past year based on some of the podcasts I was listening to they are seeing like a big uptick in people talking about this and learning more about it because it's felt more prominent. So yeah, definitely emotional exhaustion and fatigue that comes from caring too much for too long feels very, very much like a little bit of a desensitization, which I think that COVID is such a clear indicator of how over time we become desensitized to like terrible mm-hmm. information as a mm-hmm. as a coping mechanism
1: yeah 100 percent. i think that we can also look to the black lives matter movement and now the conversations around anti-asian racist violence i think that caring is so important and the overwhelm that comes by feeling like you're not caring enough or doing enough is part of the problem because we need to keep this almost like a lifestyle of learning and communicating and talking about things in a way that feels natural and mm-hmm. like I've heard I don't the activism burnout I've heard that word or term being used and it's not like it's not good. We don't want to get there, you know. We want yeah. to figure out a way to make make things sustainable and feel good and
0: joyful. Yeah. Like balancing doing the work regularly and also not getting yourself to a point of burnout where you shut off because then yeah. you're no longer participating and that's not yeah. the point. Yes. And so I definitely think that it's very much white people's responsibility to find the balance of that and carry that with them and so I don't think it's anything like, oh, this is bad news. I don't want to – I don't even want to listen to it. It's like – how can I engage with this and learn about it and understand it and just be in a constant state of, like, learning and evolving in order to be yeah. participating in building a better experience for all people because it's what's yeah, happening exactly. right now is just, like, it's got – this is speechless about how bad it is, yeah.
1: It's garbage, yeah. let's Let's keep learning, y'all. Let's keep in it.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, how do we all as human beings, like – keep our empathy so that when we live in a world where, like, such scary stuff happens and there's so much globalization that, like, we hear about every scary thing, which is new, we're, like, this is a generational thing. And so I also think it's really important to understand, like, how can we empathize and sort of sink our teeth into it and not just hear, like, COVID numbers and think, oh, it, you know what I mean? Like, not to get fatigued by it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, yeah. not to let it like destroy us because it, it could it's yeah. that it's that horrible, yeah,
1: I found yeah. that, and I kind of found this balance for myself early on, yeah, well not, not early enough on, but early ish on last year of there's a difference to me personally between being informed and being kind of like sucked up by the media frenzy, I guess mm-hmm. would be a word I would use. And I, since I have started to try to protect my peace, as a, a phrase that I heard used recently, I I make a point to learn what's going on and understand the facts and understand, you know, what the CDC is saying and like, whatever it is, you can mm-hmm. be informed without constantly consuming fear and and the Mm -hmm. media like the point is to get your attention and to keep you there and to keep you clicking on more things that are are playing into the fear that you have as a human who cares Mm -hmm. there's a difference between being informed and and basically like giving your money and attention to the media because that's what they want you have to keep that in mind like there's a business model behind media and and it's based on fear which is like it's fucked up but it's it's true.
0: I also think like even when we talk about working like anti-racism work it's like what you do on Instagram is not it. So yeah. if you're feeling like you're depleted because you're scrolling and it feels terrible yeah. because it's awful then you I think it's important also to understand that like that's not it. It can so much of it needs to happen behind the scenes and I think that there's a lot of value in the work that you do that's with your family and your friends and in conversations and reading books and things like that, that yeah. feels very different than like sitting on Instagram and seeing things roll through. That, like, yeah. I just think there's a way to move through it and make it sustainable in a way that's not so burnout causing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've been finding my version of this is very much like, reading books and learning about history and reading stories of people. And that is so interesting. And so like, it's just a very different experience than being like, how many Instagram posts can I consume and Mm -hmm. and share in my story? Like, that's different. (laughs) To me, it feels very different. And Mm -hmm. I think there's also this idea that I mean, I, I can speak for myself. I feel like I it, maybe people will relate to this of like, how do I know what I'm doing enough? And only you know what that looks like. And only you know your heart and intentions. And I think like that's a tricky thing to sit with. If you can commit mm-hmm. to caring and learning and 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 making this a part of your life, like only you only have to answer to yourself, right? And that's a tricky yeah. thing. I think there's this idea that you have to like show that you are participating by posting on social media. And and that, yeah, that's just, that's not it. Exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So emotional exhaustion also can come from obviously like a lot of different ways and a lot of different sources, I should say. Mm -hmm. And burnout is super widespread right now. And I think that a big part of that is because when we are just trying to move away from a negative it's Mm. not as helpful as when we thrive to like move towards a positive. Mm. And so that's been something that's been really interesting to me with my experience even in the past year or so is that because it feels like we don't have an end date, it's very Mm -hmm. difficult to like gear yourself up towards some sort of positive goal, whatever that is. And so I think – why we saw people get so excited about a new year, or even like yeah. I've never heard so many people talk about like spring equinox and things like this, is because people are looking for a date or a moment where things will sort of like renew and start yeah. again. And so I think that that's a big part of what causes burnout is like not being able to have this sort of like tangible positive thing to move towards as opposed to just like Mm. there's so much negative. How do I get away from it?
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. It's just
1: reminding me. I can't remember if we've talked about this on the podcast or if we've just talked about it, but the something I've talked about in therapy in the past is like, I I think I have this idea in my head that I'm going to get to this place of like contentment and rest and like, mm-hmm. like ease. <laughs> and that to me, I think plays a big role in my, at least suffering, probably burnout because it it's resisting reality and it's resisting feeling like the full experience of human emotions. We've talked about this before, but I wonder if, I don't know what the balance is. I'm sure there's a balance because hope is important. I don't want to like diminish that at all, but I wonder if this idea of like things will get better when, is is prolonging the healing and and contributing to the to the suffering because like if you feel like shit right now, that's okay and that's Mm -hmm. normal and you're allowed to feel like shit and it's not until you. allow yourself to feel that and process that that you will move past it. So mm-hmm. that's something that I personally struggle with a lot and it was coming up in the self-acceptance episode. It was coming up <laughs> I went to therapy after that and was talking about it. but I, yeah, we have this I have this idea that if I resist my burnout or my my icky <laughs> feelings, that's what will make it better. but yeah. it's actually like it's not until we pause and say like, okay, body let's see. Okay, Google, let's hear it. Okay, body, like, let's hear it. What's what's up? Like, what are you trying to say? And then you can move past it and kind of almost be in conversation with yourself about like, what do I need right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Soapbox.
0: No, (laughs) there's this amazing book called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. And a huge part of what they talk about is that Burnout is what happens when our body's stress cycle is activated but then not mm. completed. And so mm. humans are the only creature that's so uniquely terrible at completing the cycle <laughs> because with yeah. animals, when they're in fear, they run or they shake or they do these mm-hmm. things that help them complete the cycle. But mm-hmm. in humans, you're in a traffic jam People are bothering you. You feel stress and then you drive and you go to work and then you go home (laughs) and then you continue your life. And so because we do that, our bodies never receive the message that we're no longer under threat. And so you're just living in this constant state of stress. And so chronic stress leads to so many issues. Like when we talk about in our episode, do our emotions affect our health? we talk about this there as well, but that chronic level of stress leads to issues with digestion and our immune system and even just like our immune system's response to things. So it also affects our hormones. (sighs) Big time relate to this, but I know a lot of people who menstruate who stop during stressful periods. And so like, that's a great example of when it's very, very linked to our hormones and stress. And so what I think we've even talked about it on one of our episodes before about how we need to complete the stress cycle in order to avoid burnout. And there are really clear ways to do that. Like the number one way is physical activity. And so mm-hmm. it's like the single most effective strategy from completing your stress cycle because it's literally what like animals do in that position. Mm-hmm. And so through that physical activity, you're essentially signaling to your body that you have survived the stressful event and are good to go. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then Kyla will love this one breathe deep, slow <laughs> breaths that down regulate your stress response. So yeah. meditating or just like – I actually find everyone who listens to this podcast knows I suck at meditating, but I'm big on actively setting aside time and breathing, which I think is sort of mini meditation. But I had a friend who I was sharing that I was really anxious about something. I think I was at work and she walked me through I think it's box breathing where like you breathe in for a certain number of Mm -hmm. seconds, hold for a certain number of seconds, release for a certain number of seconds, hold for a number of seconds, like five or six seconds, whatever. And I find like even if I'm in the car, I'll do it if I'm like in the passenger seat or if I'm about to like hop on to a job interview or if I'm even just like a couple minutes of it just make my system go from like buzzy to like very yeah. much more grounded. And so I don't think it has to be fancy or perfect or anything for me. That feels like a, an accessible point to like enter a, a more calm spot.
1: Yeah. I, so I can't remember if I know we talked about the vagus nerve in a past episode, <laughs> but I don't remember which one, but what helps me in this kind of stuff is understanding the science <laughs> behind like why our bodies do things because otherwise it it feels very like it's it's a an experience to be in a human body so understanding kind of like the function and like oh it's not broken it's just doing what it's supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and the reason that like we have we'll struggle with digestion and all I mean everything That leads to a healthy (laughs) being is because when we're in our fight or flight system, what is prioritized is like getting away from Mm -hmm. a predator. So, like, your digestion turns off. It, the rest and relax part, it turns off. Yeah, Or no, rest and digest, that turns off. And so it makes sense when you're stuck in this like fight or flight mode for a very, very, very long time. That's not how we're meant to function. Uh-huh. So it starts to break down in a lot of ways. And I, we've talked about this a lot. We've, we've both experienced that. And then another thing that came up for me as you were saying that is I've been reading a lot about disability in part because of the work that I do a big part of it is like making sure that I'm building inclusive experiences for mm-hmm. people who use the internet in any type of way mm-hmm. so I've been I've been doing the work to to read about that and I came across something really interesting about like the models of looking at disability and there's the medical model and this will this will tie back <laughs> there's the medical model which says that there's something wrong with a person and that thing needs to be fixed whereas there the social model of disability is there's something wrong with the environment mm-hmm. and the environment needs to be fixed to accommodate the the human and it's mm-hmm. also linked back to like everything i do is like it's all about the user and if mm-hmm. if it's not working it's the problem of the system it's a problem right. of the environment
0: mm-hmm.
1: so how this kind of relates to me is like feeling, there's a lot of shoulds that I feel around, like, I shouldn't be burnt out. I shouldn't be exhausted. I should be able to work this amount, like whatever. And I've really internalized this idea that like, there's something wrong with me because I can't function how I think I should be in a system where you're supposed to work eight hours a day and maintain a home and somehow also have balance and all this stuff. And I I think it is helpful, at least for me to think maybe (laughs) Maybe there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the way that my particular human body and brain is is built to function. Mm-hmm. And it's a very freeing thought. And I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about capitalism. <laughs> but it points to like things aren't working and the evidence is the burnout. It's not that the problem is burnout. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we're I'm treating symptoms of of mm-hmm. a problem that is outside of myself a lot of the time. So I don't know. That was a bit of a
0: tangent, but no. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very interesting to think about how the environments that we're in so often don't support us. And we ha- we can come up with so many tools on how to navigate them and how to approach them in the best way possible. And sometimes the environment is just not working for us, Yeah, whether that's yeah. like, a job or a relationship or a home, like so many different things that we can so often try to fit and fix. Yeah. Yeah. It comes back to what we've been saying and we have said around like, what do I need right now?
1: And you can look to society to tell you how it thinks you should be behaving and acting, or you can look to yourself and say, what would make me feel my best? And usually, that route for me seems to work. Yeah.
0: Better. <laughs> My personal example of that is that <laughs> this is, was like such a counterintuitive moment for me where early on in COVID, I remember there was so much discourse around like be gentle with yourself, go easy, like move at a slower pace, like do what you need to do to take care of yourself, and I took that as like sleep in maybe don't move as much because that mm. felt like I was putting pressure on myself, make sure to like go easy, all of that. And I started to really like really struggle with my mental health. And I remember my like first, it was like an intro session with a therapist. She was mm-hmm. having me describe my feelings and like what I was doing and all of that. And she was like, okay, first things first, let's create a routine. We need a a routine and we're going to stick to it and we're going to do it day to day because lack of routine is just like a breeding ground for anxiety and it can seem so counterintuitive because the internet was telling me like go easy, relax (laughs) and to me that meant loosen up on my routine Mm -hmm. to not be Mm -hmm. so rigid and that was not what was supporting me mentally and it's it's just such a good example of like You are a unique human being and words sometimes don't mean what you think they mean. Like go easy might mean go easy on certain things, but stick to your routine. Like don't pressure yourself to socialize or whatever it is. Like it might mean to someone else sleep in and it might mean to you wake up early and do your routine. And so – for me it was just such a funny thing where i thought i was doing i was almost like coddling myself like mm. it, that's what it felt like i was like it's okay kelsey you sleep mm. you it's a <laughs> pandemic you are okay and i talked to this woman and she's just like yeah no no up you get like this is not helping yeah. you and obviously yeah. even that example like that's my unique experience obviously different for everyone but I just thought it was such a funny example of like taking something with no context and applying it to myself and just being like, this isn't really working. I need yeah. like an individualized perspective. Yeah. The exercise
1: that my therapist does with me. And I acknowledge that I maybe like removed from what is <laughs> what is an easy and difficult when it comes to kind of like somatic experiencing type things because it's been a huge part in my healing and I'm like so deep in that world. But anyways The exercise that we do is she tells me to basically like tune into my body, go inside and then literally like ask yourself, what do I need right now? And then you just wait for an answer. And this might sound a little woo woo, but I I promise you it works. It will come to you. What she said is your body, if you listen, will tell you what it needs to return to homeostasis. And I was Mm. like, ooh, that." Is cool. Usually you know and you're just kind of resisting the answer that you know is what you need.
0: See me and my body are we have a tough time communicating I feel like so yeah. Yeah. definitely I am in full agreement that there is a point you can get to where like you'll know and I also personally find that like so often there's so much inner chatter that I'm like I, I can't hear you because yeah. my brain's like, don't take a nap. What are you? Gonna, why yeah, would you take a totally. nap? So it's like, it gets so convoluted that I'm just like, I'm not sure whether I'm fighting the urge to nap or if I never wanted to nap in the first place. <laughs> like,
1: totally, totally. Yeah. I that's so funny. It, it came up in in that same therapy session that I was both resisting rest and resisting the like to admitting that I was burnt out, which yeah. is hilarious. But on that. Like it is really tricky and I still really struggle with like noticing what I need, which is why I burn out so often. But one tool I find useful is that kind of like stream of consciousness journaling that I've mentioned Mm -hmm. before. And usually the prompt is like tell the truth or you could use like what do I need? And then you just write as if no one will ever read it and also like throw it out after if that is freeing to you but usually it'll come out and at first it's very like mean and and shameful things like I would never want anyone to know that I'm thinking but usually it'll come down to like yeah I'm I'm just I'm just really tired (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) or something like that and it's like I just think I really need a break so yeah that's that's a tool that I find kind of helpful to sort through
0: that stuff yeah so the other two ways before we finish off that you can help to complete your stress cycle. Our daily laughter, which I love. And it says like real real laughter yeah, like big time like happy emotions I think like doing things that bring you joy whether that's calling a friend that makes you laugh or watching a funny show that you love or something like that and then genuine affection is the fourth one so they talked about which is so funny didn't we talk about like an eight second hug or something <laughs> this one was talking about a six second kiss <laughs> Oh, I've heard of that. (laughs) So another challenge for you and whoever you kiss that you got to lock it in for six
1: seconds for it to really make its mark. I always go to Bo and I say, I need a medium pressure hug, please.
0: (laughs) Hold me. (laughs) Yeah. And then obviously like some other key things that we talk about a lot, setting boundaries. We have an episode on boundaries if you want to listen to that. Also, just lean on your friends if you're not sure if someone's crossing a boundary or not. Like a third party that's not involved is a really good. Resource. Yeah. Also, getting emotional support, whether that's from family or friends or a third party, whatever it is, <laughs> asking for help if you need it, recognizing warning signs, which I'll walk through in just a second, and then getting off technology is a big one. Yeah. So, if you're out there and you're like, burnout seems like a big word. I don't know if I'm burnt out. How do I know? <laughs> Here are the signs <laughs> of burnout unsatisfied with work or personal activities exhaustion and low energy, emotions are blunted, loss of confidence and self-esteem, easily irritated at little things, feel like efforts are useless, questioning worth or purpose, and uncaring or hostile feelings. So those might feel lofty. I think for me personally, when I've been burnt out, I definitely feel the blunted one where like, my response Mm -hmm. to people, my patience is not as good as not as strong. And so my response to things is definitely like literally more blunt or things upset me more quickly. Like I'm more irritable and definitely the feeling of like, I have so much to do that I have a hard time starting and chipping away at it. And I'll end the day feeling like, even though I maybe I ticked a few really good things off, I still feel like I didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the big ones for me. Do you have any big ones that people might recognize? I
1: well, what was coming to mind there, and I don't know if we want to talk about this now, or maybe it's a different episode, or the overlap between mental health and burnout, in particular, ADHD and burnout, which. I think let's we won't get too deep into it but the way certain brains work will make them more predisposed to burnout yeah we are not experts on this won't go into it but there definitely is a lot of of overlap and and relation there as well Mm -hmm. so when it comes to things like perfectionism and pressure and feeling like you're not doing enough and mm-hmm. feeling like you like all of those feelings
0: and like people pleasing lack of boundaries would be a big 100%. one. one hundred percent Yep. yep so there's
1: there's a lot there too that we could mm-hmm. go into but yeah I think noticing the feelings is always a good good place to start mm-hmm. something that I always try to do is understand why something's happening which isn't always helpful or necessary but if you focus on like <laughs> this is what I'm experiencing and this is what I need versus like What label should I be assigning to this and why is it happening?
0: That's Um, big Enneagram 6 energy. Always trying to figure out why the thing is happening. <laughs> Constant questioning. I am. Yeah, for
1: sure. Oh my God. Yeah, it never stops. So that's kind of what I was meaning at the beginning too. Of like labels are are sometimes helpful, but acknowledging your experience and then giving yourself what you need and and using tools that are in your toolbox to you know help manage the feelings and move towards homeostasis. I think is a A good word to use.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Also, if you just feel burnt out in COVID and you don't see a way out and the tools aren't working, then just know that that's okay too and just to try to lean on people you love. And I think that we're on the precipice of moving past this very difficult experience and so Mm. it's okay sometimes if the tools don't work it happens to us all the time and we wonder why we're still feeling funky so I think it's great to lean on them great to know them and to practice them and also it's okay if sometimes you're just like I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit here for a bit and just feel what I'm feeling yeah yep well tell your friends you love them yeah watch a funny movie yeah
1: (laughs) Sure. anything else
0: <laughs> six second kisses baby <laughs> okay bye bye Alrighty, fact check time this is a juicy fact check oh okay are you excited
1: i am so excited <laughs> I'm so tell?
0: happy to hear it. You don't seem like it, but it's
1: okay. Oh, I'm just tired. Just tired. Yeah.
0: Just burnt out. The irony. Just
1: burnt out. Oh my God.
0: Okay. So first things first, we talk a lot in this episode about the difference between burnout and depression. And so I wanted to provide mm. some clarity on this. I will okay. say though that like the sources for this are that... Like, the World Health Organization just came out and recognized burnout as, like, an actual syndrome. Like, they've now, you know, like, coined it in the same way that (laughs) – you know what I mean? And so – which is a good thing, I guess. But also, like, their version of it might be very, like, high level versus the burnout people might be feeling day to day. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to say that, like, it's not the be-all, end-all.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So they classify burnout as a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed, characterized by three different dimensions. One, Mm -hmm. feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Two, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativity or cynicism related to your job. And three, reduced professional efficacy. So Reason why I say it's not like a be all end all is because we all we obviously talked about like a bigger version of burnout. And I also mm-hmm. think that this is more like like from an employer's point of view, you don't want your employees to be burnt out because they're Literally, their productivity goes down, which is what the WHO, the WHO, is that what you say? I don't know how you say it if you're speaking it, but sure. <laughs> I think that's what they're recognizing, which is a good thing because we want employers to recognize that like burnt out employees is bad for business. was <sighs> yeah. not happy with it.
1: Oh, it's just, just, oh. yeah. <laughs> the care is about the output. Totally. It's always the output.
0: Yes. So that's not to say that those are only what burnout includes. Obviously, like there's more nuanced versions of it. And at one place where I got a lot of information was from a podcast episode from two people who wrote a book on burnout, um, which I'll include in our show notes for sure for people to check out that I think is a little bit more of like emotional exhaustion and I don't know, just a bit of a more in-depth discussion on it. Also in this episode, we kind of talk about how we felt like burnout was sort of like a newer concept or at least being talked about more. And so apparently it rose to prominence in the 1980s. That was when they started seeing a surge of it like being spoken about more, but definitely the millennials are kind of famous for burnout. They even call it like there's a thing called millennial burnout. So that is just something we chatted about. So- I watched some videos too on like some doctors talking about it and they were saying typically means you don't want to go to work or you're there and you don't want to be there, (laughs) which I think (laughs) might be kind of too general, but some of the things that they were talking about that are helpful are to recognize burnout symptoms and if possible to disconnect from work, which I know not everyone has access to this. Also, not everyone has paid time off. So to be like, take two weeks vacation seems a (laughs) bit like lofty for the average person. God. And then some things they also talked about that were really relevant are like, which I think is also a big thing in sort of (laughs) like the gig economy where I feel like because we don't have a proper separation between work hours and home hours, there's like a more Mm -hmm. casual relationship often I find in these like sort of new age companies where bosses will like text you or reach Mm -hmm. out to you outside of your hours or maybe you have your boss on Instagram or like they're sort of blurred (laughs) lines and so a big thing they were talking about is like not having those clear boundaries makes it makes burnout much more likely because Mm -hmm. even say you have the weekend off but you get a text on Saturday from a from a peer or your boss about something that happened at work and things like that. And then you're kind of swept right back up into it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Oops, I did that last weekend <laughs> to myself. <laughs> yeah, fair.
0: <laughs> I think it's really common. I know that I'm guilty of that too. And then another thing they talked about that's really important is disconnecting from your phone altogether when you're not needed in a work capacity. And that doesn't just mean like not doing work on your phone, but actually like putting your phone away. Yeah. So we kind of talked about like how to think about burnout versus depression. And I really liked this. There's a professor of psychology, their name is Sean Feld, and they talked about how People think about burnout, depression, and anxiety as like separate concepts, but they believe it's more useful to think of them on a continuum. So Mm. they were saying that it can be more helpful in seeing burnout, anxiety, and depression falling along a segment. And so if you're not doing enough things to help burnout, you could tip towards depression. And depression and anxiety are super linked. Often people who suffer from depression also suffer from anxiety. Yeah, we do. (laughs) I thought that was helpful because I think we were kind of reading burnout symptoms and reading depression symptoms and being like, these are kind of eerily similar. And so – burnout is like un. wait, no. Depression is
1: like when burnout's gone on for a long time. That can like kind of turn into depression.
0: Yeah. I think what they're saying is like Mm. to try to nip burnout in the bud as opposed to – Like, I think that's the more important piece than trying to decipher one versus the other because burnout, I think, is usually caused by circumstances, so hopefully there's something that can be done to – and I know, again, right now it feels like there isn't, but hopefully (laughs) there's something that can be done to fix it, but if nothing – happens and it sort of continues and continues and continues i think there's really it becomes like there's no difference between that and feeling depressed right
1: yeah you know what i've been struggling with sorry to do this (laughs) no yeah let's hear (laughs) it the (laughs)
0: idea that like okay so i've been listening to
1: unfuck your rain a little bit lately and the idea that like circumstances can't cause your Mm. feelings i don't have an answer to that
0: I definitely think circumstances can cause depression also. I just think. That's what I don't
1: get. It's like, I agree. I think that is what I have been (laughs) experiencing and a lot of people maybe could relate pandemic, but just the, what I don't understand is like the thought work, I guess, model that says that that isn't Mm, a thing. I just, I can't quite wrap my head
0: around that, but that's. Pretty unrelated. Just something I've been thinking about. No, no, no. I think that's fair, and I think it does relate to the fact that we were kind of talking about burnout as like a circumstance that happens that can hopefully be fixed, whereas depression is more typically seen as like a a mental illness that one grapples with long term. You know what I mean? Mm. Which yeah. is what you're saying. I you don't necessarily agree with. Well, I just don't understand it. I yeah. think, <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> Okay, so we were also talking about how millennials live in like the age of lack of role clarity and like unpaid work for opportunities. <laughs> and this is the this is the article where I texted you and I was like, Oh my god, Kyla. So I'll try not to drone on too much about it, but I just think this is absolutely our target demographic. (laughs) So, like, listen up, folks. (laughs) And maybe everyone just wants to feel special, so millennials are just complaining. But this article makes it seem like we've got reasons to complain.
1: Well, this also comes on the day that we were told that we're just, like, ruining
0: it for everybody with the pandemic. So... That was no bueno. (laughs) Yeah, no thanks.
1: Let's hear it. Let's hear it.
0: So... Big challenges that millennials face in like today's day and age are lack of security, so economic, employment, and educational, uh, technology, which breeds this constant connection and, and an inability to switch off, and internalized standards resulting from social comparison, which drives heightened work pressures. So financially speaking, most millennials lag far behind where our parents were when they were our age. We have far less saved, far less equity, far less stability, and far, far more student debt. And we're also facing the steady decay of stable full-time employment. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, So things are good. So a big difference that they've noticed that is a marked shift from generations before is that millennials are obsessed with this concept of optimizing ourselves to be the very best (laughs) workers possible, which is something Kyle and I talk about a lot. And a big part of this is like the self brand, which I think is so wild to think about because we essentially become a product, which I know this isn't a new idea, but I think it's important as it relates to burnout because like in childhood, we're now we see parents start to try to like optimize their children and things like that to mm. set them up for success in their lives. And right. so they talk about too how in our lives where we have our own brand and we have social media and Twitter and all of these things there's no off the clock because at all hours, you could be documenting your on-brand experiences or tweeting your on-brand observations. Ugh. Kyla looks so disgusted right now. <laughs> and the worst part about all of this is that the we're so obsessed with efficiency and it encapsulates everything we do. But it's done nothing to wages or to making us more valuable. In fact, our commitment to work, even when it's exploitative, has encouraged exploitation of our work. And so companies treat us more poorly because we don't see another option. We don't quit. We internalize that we're not striving hard enough and we get a second gig is what it says in this <laughs> <article>. <laughs> Oh, no. It hurts my heart. I actually don't know if I know anyone who doesn't have a, a side hustle. Oh, my God. Okay. So <laughs> essentially, <laughs> essentially, you feel this burnout because you've exhausted all your internal resources, but you can't free yourself of the compulsion to go on regardless. <laughs> and so they even talk about things. And the everyone should read the book Trick Mirror by – I think her name's Gia Tolentino. Um, I'll link it as well. We've talked about it before, I think. But there's a, there, it's a bunch of different essays and one of the essays is always be optimizing and it talks about this and it like blew my mind. It's worth it just to read that piece. But it talks about how things like athleisure speak to our self-optimization because our parents might think like if she's wearing yoga pants to work. But to us, it's like I can go from exercise class to my Zoom meeting to pick <laughs> up the kids and – Things like that all in one outfit. And same reason why we do things like order everything off Amazon because then we can save more time to do more work and <laughs> all of this. So the kind of kicker to all of this, which is something that Kyle and I have been talking about a lot and something we were actually just talking about on Instagram today, is about when does sort of our self-care and our self-help and our our desire to grow and evolve become Work and, like, self-rejection of who we are today. And I liked this point about how, like, often with burnout, and I'm sure even in this episode we did this, a common prescription is, like, take care of yourself, self-care, give yourself a face mask, go to yoga, meditate. But now self-care has turned into, like, an $11 billion industry. And... (laughs) It's actually just another way of trying to self optimize. And we're just like commodifying (sighs) self care. And so then it doesn't become a solution. And we've talked about this before where I'll have it on my to do list do this or like (laughs) meditate for five minutes, read 10 pages, which are are all good things. But at what point do you start to go, this is a checklist (sighs) of things I also now have to do? And If I don't, then I'm less, lesser. I feel like that all the time. It's just like a giant to-do list.
1: I don't know what to do about it, though. I don't know if we had any answers in this episode. It's like, do we have to reconstruct society? Like, what do we do?
0: Yeah. I think what we – I think what's important is to, like, challenge these ideas of – and I think we do this a lot. This isn't new to us, to, like – we're very much not in the camp of people who are like grind hustle like rent yeah. is due every day whatever that <laughs> shit is what? you haven't heard that say <laughs> no <laughs> we're very much not oh in that God. but i think it's about understanding like okay what practices and this is the challenge you and i are currently facing is like what practices currently do we need to keep because they're rituals and their routine and they're good for our mental health and what practices are just more things to do on our yeah. list
1: yeah I guess it comes back to the why like yeah. we talk about the why a lot and sometimes I'm aware of the fact that I am meditating so I can focus on work because like you right. know like that's not the why I want I want it to be like to feel good so mm-hmm. I guess it comes back to
0: that and just to wrap us up, this super, maybe not very fun fact check, but <laughs> so we talked about this study where you're being able to see your phone is not great for you. And you were talking about oh, yeah. like from a happiness perspective. And if, if you can find that study, we can link it as well. But the one I saw was actually about your cognitive capacity being significantly reduced when your smartphone is Hmm. within reach, even if it's off. So they did a study where people were working on something and if their smartphone was even in reach, even fully turned off, what's happening is you're, which this is so sad to me that I, of course I know this is true and I'm doing it, but you're constantly doing like mental gymnastics to not pick up your phone. And so your mm-hmm. cognitive capacity to do the work that's in front of you uh, is yeah, yeah. lessened. So that's a bummer. I guess the learning <laughs> there. God, I should have put oh, some good news yeah. in this. I guess the learning there is just to put your phone away when you work, and to-, to try to break up the habit of being obsessed with our phones. Here's my light at the end of the tunnel.
1: It seems that someday soon we'll be able to see human beings in person again without feeling weird and like it's illegal. (laughs) And then it won't feel like our friendships need to be maintained through Mm -hmm. more screens. So
0: I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. It's worse now than ever. I even thought... (laughs) Sorry, that's not uplifting. I just mean, like, it's there's only room to go up from here.
1: You can only go up when you hit rock bottom.
0: I love how this is our re recorded podcast because the first one was so sad. And this is our attempt at being like, things are, we're gonna, everything's gonna be okay. You know what? We're just being real. Yeah. (laughs) Last fact check is we're talking about signs of burnout, and I was talking about how I feel like i become like irritable and quite blunt but that's Mm. really not what emotionally blunted means which i realized when i listened back (laughs) to it so i get blunt but emotionally blunt is actually like the story of my life from like 2018 to 2020 ish but it means that you you have completely dulled emotions like you don't like you feel numb you don't feel up or down you just feel (laughs) blah and (laughs) people are often like less able to laugh or cry which was like me I was pulling like the Cameron Diaz in the holiday where I would like sit in the shower and be like please cry <laughs> nothing would happen <laughs> thought it was broken but we're fine and that's all I have for you <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay bye <laughs> bye